Good morning. In 1999, my family made the decision to move to Athens, Georgia. And in doing so, we had to find a new place to live, new physicians, new friends, and a new church family. We had two small children, and to be honest, it was really hard. It was a struggle, and I tried to find a way to get connected and feel like I belonged here. And so I attended a women's Bible study in hopes of meeting some new friends and finding my own community. And this study led me to this church. And this has taught me more than I could possibly imagine. But in this one study, what I did learn, not probably for the first time, but in a more meaningful way, was my favorite passage. And I'm going to share it with you. These verses have been guiding words in my faith journey. They have helped me in times of struggle, and they have helped me in times of joy. They've taught me what it means to trust in the Lord and to trust in the promises of God. In my title, I say it is one of my favorites because throughout the years in digging into this verse and others, what I've learned is I have more favorites. And these favorites kind of build and build uh, not only in my faith walk, but in my place that I can go to when I need times of encouragement, words of affirmation, and maybe just a little bit of love that day in a way that I can only get from the Lord. I'm kind of a how person. So it really matters to me when I'm reading scripture if I can get the how answered. I think knowledge is wonderful. I value reading. I value instruction. I value all the things that come. But what I'm also digging in that deep place for is can you answer the how then can I do this based on this? And Paul does that for me. So when I learned these verses of scripture many years ago, they began to guide how I receive instruction and how I allow the Lord to teach me, whether that be through the Holy Spirit or somebody else that I'm in study or communication with. So here now, some of my favorite words from Paul's letter to the Philippians. This comes from chapter 4, and it's verses 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. To offer some background to what Paul is writing, he's attempting to appeal to Iodia and Syntyche, two women that he is working with, and there's like some dissension in their relationship and in the church, and here they are, two church leaders who are supposed to be helping him spread the gospel, 
and he's urging them to try to work together and work through this tension, not to call them out or to make them feel bad, but to remind them that they are witnesses of the gospel. Not just in their words that they share with people, but in their behavior, in their deeds, in their actions. They are examples of what it means to be a Christ follower. So are we. We find ourselves in the same place sometimes. Our words, our actions, our deeds, they may be the only gospel someone reads or experiences. We gather on Sunday mornings, whether it is in person or online. And sometimes I wonder, how are we living in community within and outside these walls that reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who comes to mind when you think of someone who does live out the gospel in all they say and do? Have you met someone who is just pure joy and you wonder how they can do this day in and day out? I mean, if we're being honest, I think sometimes we meet folks and make assumptions and think, there's no way they can be this nice all the time. Right? Or is that just me? And then maybe, maybe you have the opportunity to hear their story. And maybe you find that it's actually the opposite of what you would expect. And maybe we think that people who have this kind of joy live very uncluttered, unburdened, and unfrenzied lives. But I have found that those who have gone through some of the most difficult trials are those with some of the deepest faith practices and some of the greatest joy. And I believe it's because they're rooted in their relationship with Christ. They have prepared their hearts and their minds and their lives, and they have lived through these trials clinging to those truths. And they have come out on the other side, and they witness to all that the Lord has done in their life through these promises and through this witness. And then I find myself asking, why is it that we have to know someone's story, that we have to know their hardships and their tragedy, before sometimes giving them the appreciation for being a follower of Christ and living it out? We know that when we come here through worship, we hear through sermons and prayers and song the testimony of what Christian faith looks like. We study it and we learn about different ways to live that out, whether it be from somebody else's experience or maybe something that we've shared. And then sometimes I think we find ourselves slipping into a state of questioning. Well, this is another reason that I like our scripture lesson for today. As a seeking Christian in my late 20s and 30s, I continued to ask the question, how do I live this out? How do I put this into practice every day when I wake up? This instruction, I wanted it. I received it. But when does what I learn up here meet here in my heart? and become a part of just who I am. My DNA, the way that I reflect 
that I know and love and serve and have accepted Christ in my life every day. Christianity is not only what we do, but it's who we are in the depth of our soul. Paul is urging this community in Philippi, and I believe us, to be who God created us to be, to live into the people that he is asking us to become. And here's the best part. For someone like me, who's a how Christian, Paul answers this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. He does not say rejoice in the Lord when God is good. He does not say rejoice in the Lord when things are going well. Paul says rejoice in the Lord in every moment of every day and become increasingly aware of God's presence in your life. This message became real to me somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago. I was asked to teach Sunday school. That was not my gig. I was never going to teach Sunday school. And that is God's sense of humor. But I was asked to teach our Sunday school class, and so I knew I had adopted these verses, and I thought, well, I know these. I can figure this out. I can do these. You know, it's three points. It's three things. I'll go with this. And I was sharing with Jeremy after the 930 service, somebody from that Sunday school class was in that class that day. And I, you know, made these little cards and laminated them, and I, you know, really thought I was doing such this crafty thing. Well, she took a picture of it and sent it to me. She still had it. I know. It really, like, made my heart very, very happy. And I don't think I'm that great of a teacher, but um, that day I stuck to the three things that this verse has taught me. And I think what it also taught me is I studied and I learned about the communities that Paul wrote to, that the Scriptures do carry many of the answers to the questions that we have. I found myself reading Paul's letters, and I noticed that as a community, we struggled with the very things they struggled with thousands of years ago. So what does this say to us? I believe it says that we can rely on the promise that Scripture is living and breathing, that we can pick the same verse up in a different year and our circumstances might illumine to us a different meaning. Maybe in one sense it was encouragement, in another sense it's affirmation. Maybe in one sense it's the rope that you're hanging on to, in another sense it prompts you to go and be that rope for somebody else. Scripture is alive, and it speaks to us in ways that can carry us not only through our Christian journey, but in our relationships and through our lives. I think that what Paul is trying to explain is the how. This is how we should be doing this. And he says, rejoice. And he says rejoice in the Lord. Not rejoice in the circumstance. Not rejoice because everything changed. Not rejoice because the sun came out. Rejoice in the Lord. And then you're consistent. And when we embed these truths in our heart, this truth of God's omnipresence, then we can experience His presence at all times. And whatever anxiety that we might have, whatever stress we might have, whatever yuck feelings that we just might have deep in our gut, 
it's not that they're promised to go away. It's that God has promised to be with us in them. Now, I am not saying all anxiety can be melted away by clinging to a scripture verse. I wish I could. But me included experience different physiological anxiety symptoms often. And so I would never suggest that what we experience is a reflection of a lack of faith, because it's, it's not. What I am suggesting is that there are places that we can turn in our relationship with Christ, and there are scriptures that we can go to that become our go-tos, that when we do experience these feelings, these real feelings, that we have a place to turn, and we have a place to root ourselves in. I do believe that when I'm experiencing this, I turn to this verse, because Paul doesn't really give us the instruction, do not be anxious about anything for no reason. He doesn't do it to shame us for our unbelief. But he does, I believe, offer it to teach us how to move through it and how to look at our circumstances and overcome them. For lack of a better word, to, to do this with Christian community, with people who lift us up, with people who encourage us, with prayer. So it's not don't be anxious about anything because we have nothing to be anxious about. It's don't be anxious about nothing because you've got someone to go to. And instead of worrying about things you cannot change, he suggests that we go to the one who can be with us in those moments and turn it over. Cast our cares and our burdens in the Lord in prayer. Allow yourself to share your gratitude. Because if we're grateful, and when we're grateful, and when we express our gratitude, it really is kind of hard to keep those two things in the same realm. Let's be honest. When we feel helpless, where do we turn? Who do we cry out to? And when we do, how do we explain that peace that falls over us? Our circumstances certainly didn't change. But that peace that passes our understanding, that's what we're seeking. For many years, I stopped with verse 7. I would say to myself, do not be anxious about anything. Go to God with prayer, with thanksgiving, and you will receive the peace that passes all understanding. And I would say this over and over and over again, these short little sentences. And what I did, I think, in those moments was I was reminded that really I'm turning my focus. I'm shifting my focus and I'm realizing that what I'm doing is I am readjusting myself and reminding myself that I'm rooted in Christ. And that's where I get my peace and my affirmation, not from the world. After a few years, I found myself asking repeatedly to the Lord, how do I do this? I know he was growing weary. How do I do this? You've shared what to do. How can I experience all of this on a daily basis, and how do I continue to stay on this journey? But what I do, I think, what we do, is we have these daily challenges. Some are large and some are not. And we just kind of get through them. And my question is, how do we get through them? Do we get through them with the Lord? Do we get that through them with our faith? Or do we just kind of like, we can do this and push through them? 
I think that Paul answers my question best when he directs me in verse 8 to how to do it. Finally, he says, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned and received or heard or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That's the how. It's hard to think about all these good things, about these things that are admirable, about these things that are lovely and hopeful and still make space for all these other things that are dragging us down. I feel like this is where we learn what God expects from our lives. We're to be a witness for what Christ has done, for what Christ is doing, and for what Christ will do. And when we claim Jesus as Lord, we are called to be this witness. We are called to dig into the scriptures and learn what they mean and then go live that out and share it with others. That's our call. It's a large task, and it can be very overwhelming. But then that brings us back to verse 5. Do not be anxious about anything. Because we serve and we love and we are loved by a God who gets us. God gets everything about us, our fears, our hopes, our dreams, our burdens. He knows our soul and he heals our hurts. And this is true. And I suppose this is why these verses are among some of my favorites. Because in them, we have access to all Christ offers. Love, grace, mercy. They offer truth. They offer instruction. They offer a path to peace. They offer a way to put words and actions to our faith. And most importantly, they lead us to other scriptures. In the midst of discerning next steps, I love Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For me, this scripture verse relieves all the pressure of going it alone. When we lean into our relationship with Christ and know that the Lord is sovereign, we can rest in the knowledge that God loves us more than anyone else. However, we must relinquish our plans to that of God's and know that his are better than anything we could have ever planned. Lastly, Paul's letter to the Philippians points me to verses in Proverbs. This has also been very much a guiding point in my life with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. When all my favorite verses converge, I get to experience that peace that truly passes all understanding. I get the joy of being in relationship with Christ in new ways because it's living and it's breathing, but it also requires something from me, a response. And so my response must be to let go and pray and give thanks to God, to ask the Lord what is required of me and share with the Lord what I feel like I need to cast my worries so that I 
don't have to take it alone. But most importantly, to think of those things that are helpful, like in verse 8, and not harmful. We love and we serve a God who desires good for us. And we have access to the goodness of God on this side of heaven. And that is much to be praised. We must acknowledge that our strength comes from the Lord, but comes from trusting in the Lord. And even when things seem bleak, that we can stand on His promises. And when we experience the presence of God in real, tangible ways, then we really do experience that peace that passes all understanding. I love that we have been given the opportunity to talk about our favorites throughout the month of July, our favorite scripture, our favorite hymns, our favorite treats. It's National Ice Cream Day, and my favorite treat happens to be ice cream. But you know what? We want to know about yours. Relationships are two-way. And we're excited to hear your story. What are your favorites? What do you want to share with us so that we can know you in deeper, richer ways so that this community becomes more of what God is intending? As a church, we continue to make an effort to learn from one another. So I ask you, what do you seek in a church family? Are you finding it? What has your experience been, and how can we learn from it? Whether you've been here for 55-plus years or an hour. They've been here longer than an hour. And how can you be a part of this? How can God use the gifts and the graces that we're all trying to discover and explore to make this place a place of hospitality, a place where everybody feels welcome, a place where we know each other, even if we go to different services. Natalie's arrival gives us an opportunity, gives me an opportunity, and I'm grateful to shift my focus a little bit. It's been a blast, and I've loved everything I've gotten to do here. But I am so passionate about making sure that everybody has a path what happens when you join on New Member Sunday? Do we ever talk again? If you haven't found that spot, I'm excited to give you that. But not by myself, with everybody and everybody. And so we are excited about this new season, and we hope that you will join with us. I pray that you heard something that was new this morning from the Lord. I pray that you find ways to, if you haven't done so already, find your favorite verse. Embed that favorite verse into your heart because you never know when you're going to need it. And that's for celebration and trial. May the Lord continue to speak to you and meet you in your place of need and in your place of joy. May you meet somebody new this summer with all the shaking up we're doing, we're excited. We're excited to meet you if we haven't. We're excited that there's ice cream on the other side of that door. We hope you'll come out, grab some, get to know somebody new, or see an old friend. But most importantly, 
This is a place of grace. And this is a place of welcome. And this is a place of connection. And this is our goal. And I pray that everybody will be on this journey with us and that we will learn new things day by day. Amen. Amen.